0: Did you know the Holy Spirit's ultimately the author of Scripture? If you read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read that the Holy Spirit was, was guiding, carrying along the authors. So some people ask, is the Bible human or is it divine? Yes. Human authors writing in human expression to connect with people in real-life situations like us so we can understand it and have the record of how God covenants with people. But God's Spirit was navigating, guiding, leading. So who better to interpret scripture for us than the Holy Spirit? Hello and welcome to the FBC Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled The Holy Spirit Formation. It was based on John 14, 15 through 21. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. <laughs> Liberation is one of the key themes we read about in Scripture. Liberation between us and God being set free in our relationship with Christ and that we be a people who work toward the liberation, the freedom, the hope, the dignity of all peoples. We read throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, our Old Testament, especially over and over again, we hear God saying, Remember the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery, to be my covenant people. The theme is, remember what God has done. And so Juneteenth is about remembering. Remember that Juneteenth celebrations primarily began in black churches, African-American churches, thanking God, praising God. that after back-breaking slavery, the tragedy, the pain, the suffering of, of slavery, finally the last of slaves in the United States were set free. Two and a half years after Emancipation Proclamation. So we remember. We remember still oppression, pain, poverty, suffering in our world. And just as our generous God has set us free, we're called to help set our neighbors free spiritually from poverty, with human dignity, with with hope, even as we continue the work that needs to be done. So happy Juneteenth. uh, That's also on this Father's Day. Uh, how we thank God for so much on this day, even as our hearts are filled with some grief and as we have a lot of work to do in the name of the gospel. Father, now will you speak to us as we dig in and as we study uh, the Holy Spirit. God, it's by your spirit that we're empowered to even have minds that think with clarity, with a biblical worldview. It is only by your spirit that we're empowered to live out the gospel. It's only by your spirit we're able to have Um, a lens to see the world through the mind of Christ. So God, would you shape us, mold us, craft us, mourn to the character of Christ, how our world needs to see who you really are. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. No pain, no gain. This was a banner that was in the weight room when I was in college, and our college coach would constantly say that. No pain, no gain no gain. I got to where I hated to hear that. No We would roll over in the middle of the night and we'd have nightmares, no pain, no gain. But you know, he was right. Because accomplishments in our lives or growth in our journey requires discomfort for us to grow. There's no really legitimate growth without some kind of discomfort in our lives. Think about it for children. They're teething. Pain, but the result is, they'll have teeth. Or adolescents who experience growing pains. There's pain, but it's helping them to grow and mature into the adults that they're called to be. An athlete who can barely walk out of the weight room after a workout, or after wind sprints can hardly breathe, and yet it's moving toward the growth of, of achieving their goals, relationships. It can be really uncomfortable, can it, to go deeper in a relationship? where we begin to expose more of who we are and take the risk to begin to gain trust. Oh, but the payoff. The payoff of an authentic relationship is so powerful. It's true for us financially. When we make sacrifices for our children financially or, or, or when we decide to be more generous, right? There's kind of that upfront pain sometimes. But the result is a, a world with more people flourishing than ever before or for surgery, Right? Normally we wouldn't let someone cut into us with a scalpel, right? But a surgeon, we know there's gonna be pain. But a scalpel to bring healing and health for us. The same is true for our spiritual growth. Rather it be when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we say, Oh, this is this is not comfortable what I'm experiencing. Or rather it's when we're reading scripture or we're hearing a message and and the Bible speaks into our lives and, and we say, Oh man, I I have to make a decision about what I'm going to do with that, or, or rather, it's when we have that spirit's prompting within us. It's time to take this step of faith, this step uh, of trust, and it kind of takes us where we've never been before, and and it can feel really discomforting. Or well, those times when we're called to live counterculturally, and we realize there might be a cost here. No pain, no gain. But the good news is the Holy Spirit is guiding us each step to, to drill down deeper and to help us to grow more like Christ and to be a witness in a fractured, broken, damaged world. So we're in a three-week sermon series about the Holy Spirit. We're, we're exploring three primary themes. Last week, salvation, how the Holy Spirit brings people to Christ. This week, formation, how the Holy Spirit grows us more like Christ. And the next week, mission, how the Holy Spirit equips us to serve Christ. Three themes about how the Holy Spirit can conform us, can shape us more like Christ. The Holy Spirit confirms, convicts, and conforms. Let's take a look at this. First of all, the Holy Spirit confirms that we're God's kids. Um, Take a look in Romans chapter 8, in verse 15 and 16, we read, "'The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves.'" so that you live in fear again. No, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, we can fear sometimes, can't we? We can be almost enslaved when we wonder, am I really a child of God? I mean, I, I know my past. I know some of the things I think. I, I know some of the appetites of my heart. How, how, how could I be a child of God? It can make us really vulnerable. Are my sins really forgiven? Am I just a loser like some people in our culture or some people at school or my friends view me as? Well, you know, it's a lot easier to just go back when we were enslaved, isn't it? Because it was kind of more comfortable back then. And it could be so tempting for us to go back. But those are the times the Spirit confirms to us, no, 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 you are a child of God. Let me say this clearly, if you're in Christ, if you've chosen to follow Christ, if you've Ask Jesus to take your your sins, nail them on the cross. And you've chosen to to sojourn with our identity as Christ's followers. You are a beloved child of God. The world can never take that away unless we allow it. You are a beloved, treasured child of God. Well, how, how does the Spirit do this? Well, sometimes it's as we're reading Scripture and we see God's truth. Sometimes it's as we're praying and the Spirit prompts us. Sometimes it's in community. There's a person in our life who in those low moments reminds us who we really are in Christ. Sometimes it's in worship. When we hear, we sing the lyrics or when God moves through worship and reminds us, you're my beloved child. This is giving voice to who you really are. And so we read that the Holy Spirit testifies it's, this is fascinating because remember that the New Testament, originally written in the Greek language, this is the word sumartai. And the word sumartai was a legal term. And, and, and it's in court when there's like a defense being made. It's in court when there's an argument that's happening. And the imagery is this, in the courtroom of our lives, when we're deliberating the verdicts of who we are, and how we'll live our lives. The Holy Spirit is like a witness. Matter of fact, sometimes the Holy Spirit argues with us. Did you know the Holy Spirit will argue with you? And by the way, the Holy Spirit will always win the argument, okay? So yield, okay? But the Holy Spirit is like arguing, like like a defense attorney, our defense saying, no, 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 remember this is who you are. This is your identity, you're secure in this identity. Now that that sign seal delivered, let's start growing up into that identity that God envisions for you to be living out. But this can be challenging because we still sometimes wrestle when we condemn ourselves, don't we? And so we read in 1 John chapter 3 if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and God knows everything. Sometimes our hearts condemn ourselves, don't we? And And here's the challenge. Will we be primarily guided by our heart's emotions or by God's truth? Emotions are important. We need to listen to them, but we need to evaluate them because we're fallen people. And sometimes God works beautifully through our emotions and sometimes our emotions can betray us. We always need to vet them by what Scripture teaches and who God says we are. And if our emotions align with that, beautiful, praise God. When they don't, we need to come back to fact over feelings. We'll spend the rest of our lives wrestling with that, standing on God's truth more than where our depraved, fallen, damaged, wounded hearts might take our emotions. So who greater to trust with who we are, our identity, whatever the culture might happen to say on any given day, The emotions that might betray us or God's Spirit who reminds us who we really are in in Christ. First thing growing more like Christ is that the Holy Spirit confirms who we are. I pray we'll hear, we'll listen, we'll stand, we'll trust, we'll keep recalibrating, come back to who the Holy Spirit says we really are. But the Holy Spirit also has the courage to convict us of our sin or our filth or our brokenness. And in John chapter 16, we read about this, Jesus speaking, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. Oh, but when I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he'll convict the world about sin and righteousness and justice. Now just imagine if Jesus stays on earth. Here's the challenge. First of all, we have to book a flight to go to Jerusalem to see him, okay? And already we have this disconnection because it's only those who have the economic purchasing power to purchase a flight, but that's not the gospel, is it? And then the second thing is we have to get in line seven months, right? right? It's the ultimate kind of uh, uh, wait party to see Jesus, right? And then finally, after about seven months, his hand, I don't know, maybe, maybe Peter's there saying, you got 15 seconds because there's, there's two million people waiting. It's, uh, right? I mean, it's silly, isn't it? But instead Jesus ascends to the Father where Jesus is our advocate showing his wounds. Look, this is my beloved child. Look, here's the wounds. Here's the certificate of their identity. But then the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. If you're a Christ follower, if you said yes to follow Jesus, God, better than Jesus in Jerusalem, God lives within you by his Spirit. Isn't that good news? You're not alone. It's not just in our own power, our own grit, our own determination alone, but we have an empowerment within us to shape our minds, to evoke our wills, and to give us wisdom to follow Christ. Now, this word convict is translated from the Greek word alexei, and and really, there's two portraits that come together with it. First of all, it's like shining a light. The Holy Spirit, like, shines a light sometimes and says, I'm shining a light in this dark place. Here's the truth. I'm truth-telling to you right now. I'm shining a light on this. It's also a word for to, to both shine a light and examine a witness. I'm examining your life. Now, let's remember this. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, it's never to condemn us, but always to change us, to become more like Christ. That's a big challenge for us because our first instinct when we feel conviction is to run, just like in the garden, right? Let's run and cover it up. But God in the cool of the garden continues to come in in our lives in the Holy Spirit saying, where are you? You don't need to run. You can trust me when I convict you. It's, It's to change you, to heal you, to help you to be more like Christ, to fulfill God's destiny for your life. I know a pastor who was walking alongside a man in his church family uh, who was coming out of an affair. He had committed adultery. And as he's sharing with this pastor about it, he said that whenever he would bring his mistress home, that's right, brought her home while uh, his wife was traveling, he would turn the pictures of his wife and family around in the bedroom because he couldn't handle looking at them. That's what happens when we sin. When we sin, we're really saying, Jesus, I'm going to commit adultery against you, and I'm just turning and and pretending, God, that your presence isn't really here. And the Holy Spirit, like, turns that back around and says, oh, yes, God is here, and God's heart is broken for you, not, not because God needs us in any way. God is self-sufficient, but God's heart is broken for us because God knows the wreckage, the pain, the damage in this life and for eternity and for people in our lives. And it's like the Holy Spirit turns it back around and says, God's here. Come back home in, in, into my arms. Let, let's flee from this. And I'll guide you into a different future. So this is the difference between Satan's guilt and the Spirit's conviction follow this, because Satan's guilt is about sins we have confessed that have been nailed to the cross, and Satan says over and over, no, 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 God couldn't forget. Don't you remember that? Man, you're a worm. You ought to feel t- You ought- Oh my goodness, God could never accept you. That's Satan's guilt. It's always meant to condemn us. But the Spirit's conviction may sometimes feel a little bit like that, but when we drill down, we realize, oh, this is about sin that has been confessed. Where, where, where I'm striving to move forward. And, and so this isn't to condemn me, this is to change me. But well, I pray we'll lean in when we sense that conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is how passionate God is for us to be hearing and responding to the Holy Spirit's conviction. James chapter 4 don't you know that following the ways of the world? means enmity against God. Do you think Scripture says without reason that God urgently, passionately longs for the Spirit to dwell in us? And here the ways of the world is often, not always, but often within the New Testament, when we read about the world, it's, it's really talking about the depravity of the world, the oppressive systems of the world, the sinfulness of, th- of the world. It doesn't mean like always... Um, Viewing all the world as bad, evil, wrong. Because there's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of the image of God within the world. But there's also that, that, that fallen, depraved, oppressed aspect of our world. And when we follow that, what it's saying is, we'll damage our relationship with God and we'll hurt people in our lives. But God has put the Spirit within us. The Spirit, God passionately longs for us to have the Spirit within us. In other words, to be a Christ follower and to hear and heed and listen to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit convicts us because the Holy Spirit can front and empower us in the midst of temptations, give us wisdom to avoid some, not all, but some temptations. And then on the backside, when we do sin, to convict us, to bring us back home to the Father's heart, to restore us. The Holy Spirit confirms the Holy Spirit convicts. Why? What's this all about? The Holy Spirit conforms us to be more like Christ. I, I love the, the way this is portrayed uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Spirit searches the deepest things of God. Now, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we've not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit from God. So we can understand what God has freely given to us, This is a portrait for us of, of God's Spirit knowing the depths. I mean, who knows us better than our spirit deep down within us? God is fully known in the depths of God's Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit brings to us from the depths of God's heart for us, of God's passion for us, of God's truth, of God's character, of God's mission, and brings that to the surface for us. So we can understand all that God has given to us, that we're beloved children of God, that the cross is what makes we are cross, you know, cruciform centric. And it is the cross that is the center of our faith to remind us of our identity in Christ, to speak truth to us. In other words, to understand all that God has given to us. Now, one of the members of our church family is Jim Holden. And Jim, just look at me with bright eyes. Uh, it's safe, Jim. Okay, but uh, Jim is a professor of microbiology at UMass, and for years, um, Jim led uh, some research collaborating with NASA to go to the bottom of the ocean. Jim, how many feet did you go down into the ocean? Eight thousand feet. I'm glad you were there, not me. Okay, and Jim would go to 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 the to the floor of the ocean in Alvin sometimes. Remember Alvin, the little sub that found the Titanic? Uh, and, and then other subs. In order to research things that I can't even begin to understand, Jim will explain it to you after worship, uh, stuff at the, at, at, at the very floor of the ocean about how things with complete darkness can be regenerating and bringing that to be doing research, right? And I remember when Jim was sharing about this, I thought, that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit is at the depths of God's heart. Now, the Holy Spirit already knows everything. This is a portrait for us. That the Holy Spirit, like, like, like the depths of stuff uh, where we could never go, and brings that to the surface of the Father's heart for us. Of who we are in Christ. Of God's teaching and guidance for our lives of God's character for us to know who God really is. And this was promised by Jesus. Let's go back to where Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, we we read, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach us and remind us. Think about this to teach us. Did you know the Holy Spirit's ultimately the author of Scripture? If you read 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read that the Holy Spirit was, was guiding, carrying along the authors. So some people ask, is the Bible human or is it divine? Yes. Human authors writing in human expression to connect with people in real life situations like us so we can understand it and have the record of how God covenants with people. But God's spirit was navigating, guiding, leading. So who better to interpret scripture for us than the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit, as we read scripture, we hear truth, illumines scripture for us, brings God's truth to life for us to understand. I think here's one of the action steps out of this. Um, I would make it homework, but it's kind of past the school year. So all, all I can do is say, this is a good idea. Before we read scripture, slow down and ask God, God, by your spirit, would you help me understand this? Instead of a rush reading where I just grab something from it and leave, and it may be accurate, it may be in context, God, by your spirit, will you illumine to me? Help me to understand. And it may keep, keep coming back and coming back and coming back to really grasp some things, but that's the Holy Spirit. You may have a greater appetite revealing to us what we're ready to comprehend and filling our minds with the mind of Christ. How beautiful. Mm. But the Holy Spirit also reminds us at just the right moment. You know how it is. In the midst of a temptation, there's God's Spirit bringing God's truth to us. When we're wrestling with a decision, there's God's Spirit leading, navigating, guiding when we have doubts, there's God's Spirit reminding us of God's truth and, and of the intellectual tenability of our faith. The Holy Spirit is reminding us, but the Holy Spirit can only remind us of what's within us. You know, the greatest way to hear the voice or to be led by the Spirit is to be people of Scripture. Because we have to remember something critical. You know, I've, I've heard some pretty funky things about people saying, I've been led by the Spirit. And you're like, "Mm, I know that's not the Spirit. How? Because it doesn't align with Scripture. Okay? It's like, no, you really shouldn't leave your spouse because God's now guiding you to marry that person because you married that person, right? Or, you know, whatever it is, okay? Or like, hmm, it seems like to everyone else, probably that's not the person you're called to marry, right? And that person's not a Christ follower or whatever. You know, we need to be very careful not to just have what we want become something, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And here's the litmus test. Does it align with Scripture? We need to be people who are in Scripture. What? Hey, let me say this. If, if, if you're not in Scripture at all now, take the five-minute challenge. Just start five minutes a day. Okay? Don't start two hours a day. You'll last three days. okay? But I mean, just like five minutes a day. Read a psalm. Read, read a little bit of the gospel. And just start reading. Skip a day. Oh, it's all right. Come back the next day. And just start and see how God might give us a greater hunger for Scripture. Some days we'll feel a great breakthrough. Some days we'll feel nothing at all. All right, come back the next day. Because, you know, some some days uh, when I take, you know, vitamins, I don't feel anything at all, right? But I keep taking them, right? And sometimes when I eat, woo! Sometimes I, eh, okay. But I'm going to come back for the next meal. Trust me, right? So aligning everything with Scripture. So, how are we led Led by the Spirit? We're teachable. God, will you teach me? Will you shape me by your agenda, your calling, your truth, by testing it over time? Now, let me say this. If it's a sin issue, listen and obey the Holy Spirit immediately, okay? But if it's a decision kind of thing, wrestling, look for sustained, or sometimes people say, oh, yes, the Holy Spirit answered their, and it's like, hold on, test it. See if the Holy Spirit over time, before we make those big picture decisions, to let the Holy Spirit really vet that for us. And third thing is community. Some of the people have the strangest biblical interpretations, and they know scripture really well, are people who read scripture without community. So we need each other to help us understand scripture, to to discuss it, to realize, oh, I, I think I now understand that's what that means. And And that helps us to understand to be led by God's Spirit. Um, One sidebar, and then we'll wrap up, but it's a good one. Throughout this series and all of Scripture, but this theme about the Holy Spirit, doesn't this remind us of how unique our God is? How giving and generous and sacrificial our God is? Because the Father sends the Son. The Son, Jesus, sacrifices his life. The Spirit, the Spirit gains no attention upon the Spirit itself, but is pointing people to Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? We serve a God who sacrifices to serve in order that we might be shaped more like Jesus in a world that desperately needs to see who Jesus really is and for the joy that comes when we're really in an authentic relationship with Jesus. So the Holy Spirit confirms. Here's the question. Here's the takeaway. Here's the challenge. Will we be guided more by our culture for identity or more by Christ? The Holy Spirit convicts us. Will we avoid that conviction or will we lean in and say, Spirit, man, this is going to be painful gain right here, but I'm leaning in for you to show me, to shine that light, to even argue with me sometimes. And the Holy Spirit conforms us, especially in our culture. Don't we need people conform more to the character of Christ for a world to see who Jesus is? I don't want people to keep rejecting a caricature of Jesus instead of who Jesus really is. So we wrap it up. I leave us with words far more wise than I could ever write. Ephesians chapter 5 do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Isn't this an interesting juxtaposition? Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And the theme is this. We're going to be intoxicated by something. We're going to be guided by something. And when, and when it's a substance, it begins to alter our mind, begins to shape us, lead us, right? We've all seen people who've done things under the influence that that we never imagined that ever would have done otherwise. Instead of being under the influence of substances or the things of this world, we're called to be more and more intoxicated in the spirit. We're called more and more to allow God's spirit to help align us with God's truth and shape us more like Christ. And when we go astray, the spirit, even though there may be wreckage, calls us to come back home. Praise, glory, and honor be to God who is the lover of our soul now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you are interested in learning more about what we do here at FBC, please visit our website, fbcemers.org. Also, consider subscribing to this podcast so you can get a notification when our weekly sermons are posted. Again, thank you for listening to this podcast. Have a great day.